Welcome to this podcast, made possible by Vision Australia Radio. Visit varadio.org, subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. Dr Geraldine Lane works as a teaching fellow at Curtin University in WA in the School of Education and teaches in a range of units, both in the on-campus and online modes. Geraldine has a long background in teaching at university level and completed her PhD at Flinders University in South Australia. Geraldine's thesis examined potential health benefits of working with a dog guide and is titled There's More to a Dog Guide Than Meets the Eye, a mixed methods investigation into the health benefits of having a dog guide. In this interview, Dr. Lane speaks about her incredibly diverse career and her lived experience with vision loss. She also discusses her long relationship with Vision Australia and Seen Eye Dogs and how these services continue to support her ongoing. We also learn about her commitment as a donor to Seen Eye Dogs and why she decided to leave a gift in her will to support this vital service, creating a legacy for future generations. To find out more about leaving a gift in your will, call 1-800-422-077 or visit visionaustralia.org forward slash wills. Geraldine, you're based in WA in, in Perth. Has that always been home for you? No, um, up until I was, uh, oh, yes, oops, too many years. <laughs> uh up until 1980, I, I was uh, based in New South Wales. I grew up there, yeah, right. one over there. And what brought you to the other side of Australia? A ring on my finger. Ah, <laughs> love will do that to you, I guess. My man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got a, a quite an, a, a really interesting, diverse background. You started off in nursing, but you've moved into teaching and you're a fellow in the School of Education at Curtin University. Can you just tell us a little bit about how your career projection and trajectory brought you to this role? Well, I always wanted from early childhood, I wanted to be two things in life, was either a nurse or a teacher. And I've managed to do both, which was really good, but it was sort of an odd journey because I trained at uh, Newcastle Hospital many years ago and trained as a nurse there. And I worked in nursing up until my uh, mid-30s when I had uh, two neurological conditions, um, multiple sclerosis and something called idiopathic intracranial hypertension, which is a condition where you make too much cerebrospinal fluid, which damaged my optic nerves. So the two conditions, I had eye complications of MS too, and I became legally blind. So obviously it was a little bit difficult to stay in nursing at that stage. Uh, I had to think about what I was going to do with the rest of my life. had, you know, children and teenage sons and uh, had to sort of think about what I was going to do. So I retrained in education, became a teacher went on and did some more postgrad study and a few more degrees later, did my PhD, and I started working at, uh, in the university sector in about 2007, and I've been at Curtin Uni since then. What was it about retraining and finding a new path for you? Did it seem obvious for you to go into that path, or was there a few challenges along the way? Oh, no, there were challenges. It, it was I was actually really devastated for 
you know, the initial stages of my vision loss because mm-hmm. it happened reasonably quickly too. So coming to terms with you know, blindness was very difficult. It took a long time just to get confidence to get around again and start to learn how to do my mobility training initially and, and then looking for work. Immediately I didn't think about retraining. It was just a matter of just I think it took me about three years really to come to terms and to feel I was confident again mm. uh, through doing mobility training, orientation mobility, doing a number of other courses like at that stage it was learning computers as well. Right. Computers were just coming in and, and, you know, I was in the pre-computer age and I thought, oh, goodness gracious, I'm going to have to get on board and try and learn that. Went and studied Braille, so it was another nice challenge along the journey. Not Absolutely. <laughs> But I'm glad that I, I did uh, learn it. It's been very useful uh, to me. But it wasn't an easy transition and it was over time. And I was actually applying for jobs, uh, just other jobs I thought I could do after I had my computer skills updated, etc. and getting lots of rejections. I eventually got a job as a receptionist and a telephonist answering the telephone. And I did that for a while, but it was only on a short-term contract, 12 months in, within government. I kept training and doing other courses along the journey, and then I thought, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and do something else. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I went back to uni and started, well, went to uni and started um, retraining um, in education, uh, training to be a teacher, and uh, the rest is sort of history from there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could imagine a lot of people can understand if they've been in a similar position to you, you know, that, that those challenges Yes. Um, that are there, especially dealing with vision loss and, and trying to figure out where to go and, and what to do next. And immersing yourself in study is obviously really paid off. And I was yes. um, really interested to read that you did your PhD at Flinders University, and it was on the health benefits of working with seeing eye dogs. And the actual yes. title of your thesis is, there's more to a, a dog guide than meets the eye, a mixed method into the health benefits of having a dog guide. Absolutely. Now, it sounds really self-explanatory, but I feel like there's a little bit more in there. Can you just tell us a little bit about what your thesis, how it came about and, and what you learned through that process? Okay, well, I, I was, I'd been working, uh, I actually um, graduated, I got my PhD in 2014. So it's been a, a later progression. I had this great ambition. I was going, I'm going to get this before I'm 60. And I think I was about a month away <laughs> yeah, right. from my 60th birthday when I was got my uh, PhD. So, oh, brilliant. <laughs> I had to get dragged, I must say, I had to get dragged kicking and screaming into doing a PhD. It wasn't, really? I was, I was a good, uh, well, I really enjoyed coursework. You know, just doing like my master's degrees that I'd done, and everybody told me, "Oh, PhD's long road," which it is. <laughs> anyway, and then I thought, "No, well, I've just got to bite the bullet to it." So, I might as well do it in an area of interest, and mm. obviously, dog guides being an area of passion for me, and how they enhance our mobility. And I saw there was a gap in the literature in Australia, particularly for looking at not just physical health, uh, emotional health, uh, social well-being, all those factors that come into making us who we are. You know, um, 
and how we cope in the world. But no one had ever actually done a big study looking at it. So right. in Australia, uh, seeing eye dogs, Blind Citizens Australia and <laughs> Blind Citizens WA were fantastic at helping me to get participants to put the word out, you know, help me to get a number. This was aimed up with about 240 people in the Wow. <laughs> Which was amazing. Yeah. So... Uh, and technology actually helped because I was able to do a lot of interviews as we are today, mm-hmm. you know, using technology and being able to get in touch with my participants, run focus groups, uh, individual interviews. And so it was really quite a rewarding journey in the in the long term. And, of course, I, th- I think I, I already knew that there was a benefit, uh, but I had to prove that to me. <laughs> Absolutely. That's usually the goal, isn't it? <laughs> what was one of the big takeaways for you from doing your PhD? What did, what's something that you learned that maybe surprised you or, or confirmed something for you? What's, what's something good that came out of it for you? A lot of good things came out of it for me, really. The fact that... Uh, we were able to substantiate the fact that, you know, having working with a dog guide does improve our health. As we know from a lot of other uh, evidence out there, you know, you pet it, not just a dog, you pet an animal, <laughs> you interact with an animal, your blood pressure goes down, you know, you, you, you feel good hormones get secreted. And I think that um, we know that a lot of that from animal human studies that have been already done, seeing how important that is to, you know, you, me, everybody out there, and how that actually impacts our physical health and our emotional well-being. Mm. So I, I guess that, that having that reiterated and seeing that benefit. And I think the talking to the clients or the people that were in, uh, involved in my study. Um, knowing the impact having a dog guide made on their, their own lives, their own journey, their ability to cope, and how you know becomes their best friend. <laughs> and you know, you know firsthand about that experience. You're Absolutely. you're a client of Seeing Eye Dogs. You have a wonderful Seeing Eye Dog called Noodle. I'm assuming Noodle is a really key part of your life. Oh, absolutely. She's my best mate. (laughs) It's hard to describe the relationship you have. If you're a dog lover, you'll, Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's not a seeing eye dog, uh, you'll, you'll know how much they become part of your, well, your whole being. Uh, they're part of the family. Yeah, they're central to your world and you, they love you and you love them, and <laughs> it's a positive both ways, you know. Um, it's an amazing partnership that you have, right? And it's yes, and and for a lot of seeing eye dog users, there's so much that goes into making sure that they make as the perfect match in in lots of ways. So, Absolutely. what was your experience like in getting noodle and and working on your relationship and figuring out how you can best work together? Well, it's interesting. Interesting question there, because Noodle's my second seeing eye dog. Right. I had uh, Iris, who was a chocolate Labrador, who uh, I kept until she passed away uh, when I just before I got Noodle, and we had a lovely thirteen years together. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and then I was on the waiting list for Noodle, and I, I got Noodle, which was which was lovely. And they're both so different, but both so. And, and do such a great job. 
I guess the whole experience, it, it was interesting. I had actually two ways of training between Noodle and, and Iris. Iris, I trained locally here and a seeing eye dog instructor came over and worked with us. And with Noodle, I went to Melbourne and uh, residential training just before COVID came along. That was a fantastic experience too. I thoroughly enjoyed that doing it with uh, other clients and staying in the houses at Ken- Kensington, I think it is, yes, yes. <laughs> and seeing that the whole work that goes into allocating the right dog, going into that matching process and working closely with the seeing eye dog instructors and, and to you know see how they determine which dog is going to be a perfect match and then work with you to make it so. And seeing eye dogs is obviously such an incredible service that Vision Australia provides and one that you have reached the benefits of and know that it it helps so many people across Australia. One thing that I also found really interesting is that you've committed to including a gift in your will to seeing eye dogs. How did that come about? It's obvious that it's contributing to the services is a really great way to to do that. But what does it mean to you? I felt that, you know, here was an organisation that's done so much for me. And I, uh, I'm also a puppy sponsor, so I give what I can, you know, on a monthly basis through puppy sponsorship. But also I felt, well, here's a way that I can give something back that is in a really transformable way to ensure that something goes on after I pass away. You know, people may not have money to give in life, but they might be able to do something that's a gift that keeps on giving, so to speak. It really is. <laughs> Uh, so I felt that I was very passionate about trying to give something back. You know, the Vision Australia has done a fantastic job for myself, and I know they do for all their clients. So it was just a way that I thought I could do it. And I, I spoke to Tom about it, and he told me actually about the Iris Circle, which was interesting. See, my previous dog was called Iris, which is uh, for people who've left a bequest in their will, um, and it's just a way to sort of thank them. A lovely batch, and I know they have um, a lot of functions and that sort of thing for to say thanks while people are still alive. So that's something that people can do. Um, help doesn't have to be, you know, that they don't ask you how much it is or uh, anything like that. They mm. just sort of thank you for letting them know. It helps them in their forward planning. Then I think so. that's the the key to this as well. Is I'm assuming that it's a really great feeling for you to know that you're going to be doing something positive and also giving back to this organisation that is really important to you as well. Absolutely. I think that I've done so much. You know, really, I can't thank Vision Australia and seeing eye dogs um, enough for what they've done for me personally. So, um, you know, I'm very grateful. Geraldine, it has been fantastic hearing your story. So wonderful to hear about the impact that um, Vision Australia and Seeing Eye Dogs has had on you. And congratulations on all of your achievements. And um, here's to many more. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time today. It's been fantastic to meet you. Many thanks to Dr. Geraldine Lane for sharing her story. We sincerely thank her again for her support for Seeing Eye Dogs and wish her a noodle all the best for their future adventures and continued success with her career. To find out more about leaving a gift in your will, call 1-800-422-077 or visit visionaustralia.org forward slash wills.
Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Visit varadio.org to find out more about our podcasts.